Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, friends, welcome to the program. Uh, very quickly, I, yeah, this happened uh, the other day. I pulled out a, you know, the, the, uh, the fall weather has descended upon us, so you go into the sweater drawer, right? It's time to pull on the sweaters. And I pulled a sweater out, and uh, it had uh, little holes around the, the sleeves and the collar. And I thought, geez, that's a, fair, a, new, a new sweater. I didn't think I had worn that out, hadn't been, you know, put through the laundry that often. And uh, the mighty Aphrodite looked at that, and she said, oh, no, that's, you, you, we've got moths. Uh, the moths have been eating that. And um, I'd never actually seen that before. I mean, I always heard about that. You know, remember mothballs? You'd go over to your grandmother's house and the smell of mothballs, right? Uh, but uh, it reminded me of that old Woody Allen joke. Uh, you know, a, a, a moth eats an entire argyle suit. And he's just like rolling on the floor. He's just, oh, he's in such pain. So he goes to the doctor and he says, doctor, I just ate an entire argyle suit and my stomach is, you know, incredible pain. And the doctor says, uh, eat one plain sock eat one plain brown sock and call me in the morning. Uh, anyway, uh, the Mothman, uh, that's a long way to go for this connection, but uh, uh, I remi- I'm reminded of that because um, the Mothman Festival, if you're, if you're familiar with this Mothman uh, legend, the legendary creature, it was seen in the Point Pleasant area of West Virginia uh, back in the, the, the mid to late 60s. And, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, people reported seeing this flying creature with 10-foot wings, and uh, it was chasing their cars. And anyway, it was seen by multiple people, multiple credible eyewitnesses. And now in Point Pleasant in West Virginia, uh, every year they have uh, an annual Mothman Festival. And uh, there's a great big 12-foot metallic statue down there. And uh, anyway, a dear friend of this program, was down at the Mothman Festival, and some strange things happened to her down there, and she's here to tell us all. It's been a while since she's been on the program. She's one of our, our regular contributors, one of the leading experts in the world on the paranormal, with more than 50 books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages. She's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983, researching, investigating, writing, presenting, and teaching. And her present work focuses on interdimensional entities uh, of all kinds, technological and mediumistic spirit communications, spiritual growth and development, problem hauntings, and portals. A great pleasure to have Rosemary Ellen Guiley back in the program. Hello, Rosemary. Hi there, Richard. It's great to be back. It is great to be back. Listen, I, I was uh, earlier I was talking to somebody about time travel, and now I wish I could go back in time and just like uh, forget about that whole uh, story about the moths. <laughs> I thought it was cute. <laughs> anyway, the Mothman Festival. Uh, you were there recently, and you were telling me that some some very strange things were happening to you while you were there taping a TV segment. Well, they have to do with spirit, dramatic spirit manifestations, and also a concept known as a port. The mysterious disappearance and reappearance of physical objects. And the spirits are often connected with this activity. Um, now, Point Pleasant, where the Mothman wave was um, centered back in the 1960s, is in a portal area. It's intensely haunted all of the time. People have ghost activity in their homes. They see mysterious creatures in the ro- roads. There's a lot of UFO activity. And uh, it just seems to be one of these places on the planet where there are thin boundaries between dimensions. So I go every year to do research there. I speak at the Mothman Festival. I've had some strange experiences, but really topped out this on this last one. 
I was doing some filming for a new television series called American Monsters and Mysteries that's going to be airing on Discovery. And uh, we were talking about a lot of mysterious creatures, including Mothman, of course, and the djinn. Now, I feel that the djinn are behind a lot of our mysterious creature manifestations and that they also have a presence on the landscape. They're occupants of the earth like we are, only we don't see them most of the time. And uh, while we were filming, this was all caught on camera, and I hope some of it makes it onto the show, uh, I was making very emphatic points about the interdimensional landscape, that there are these beings, a lot of beings, who live on the earth along with us, and other cultures throughout history have known this and have had respect for places in the landscape that belong more to them than to us, whereas we in the West really aren't aware of that, and even if we are, we think we can just bulldoze in and put up whatever we want and tear up the landscape and frack for the gas and develop and put roads, and if there are paranormal phenomena that uh, happen uh, as a result of that, we think we can eradicate that too. In other words, we think we can do what we please. So I was in the midst of making these points when one of the Fresnel lights um, in the back of the room where we were filming in a haunted hotel, no less, blew up. It just exploded. Hmm. I've never seen that happen, by the way. I mean, you, you know, occasionally they'll they'll go out, but I've never seen one right. explode. And I've spent a little bit of time. And, explode. You know. uh, and all this was caught on camera, and it was like a punctuation. It was like a spirit, um, some would call it a spirit agreement or a spirit comment, adding emphasis to what I was saying. And uh, I looked at the camera and I said, that was a gin manifestation, because oh. I was talking specifically about the gin then. Rosemary Ellen so, Guiley is joining us, yeah. uh, leading expert on the paranormal. We should point out, uh, uh, Rosemary, uh, you, you just recently wrote a book uh, called The Vengeful Gin, all about this interdimensional entity. And we should explain a little bit, again, those who haven't heard you, you talk about them earlier, uh, what what you mean by the gin? They are a supernatural race of beings who have a long history on this planet and uh, are believed by many to pre- have preceded human beings on this planet, and yet they lost out to us uh, and got pushed into what we would now call a parallel dimension. The same story is told about fairies, and I think there's a very strong relationship between jinn and fairies. And there's also a relationship to... to shapeshifters. Okay, shapeshifters. But they're also known in the Middle Eastern culture as genies, correct? That's right. Well, actually, they're known as jinn. When uh, the French translated uh, Arabian folktales into uh, French, and then those were translated in English, the term jinn got warped into genie. And so we've known them as the genie in the bottle, uh, and and that's about all we know about them. But actually, they're quite formidable en- entities. They can act like demons, ghosts and poltergeists, fairies. I believe they're involved in the ET abduction scenario. Uh, and many of them don't feel very kindly toward us because they uh, they say they've been displaced by us, just as the fairies communicated to our Celtic ancestors the same thing. So you're down at the Mothman Festival, and you're, you're uh, doing a, a segment, a TV segment for a new show on Discovery, and all of a sudden, as you're talking about, you know, this interdimensional... 
uh, landscape and these entities that occupy these different dimensions, one of the uh, the TV lights goes kablooey. And then what else happened that convinced you that you were dealing with uh, a gin? While we were waiting for the light to cool down so the technicians could change it and we could resume filming, the crew went out of the room and um, my fiancé and I went back to inspect the light. And we found at the light, at the base of the light, a gin calling card. Now, this is very unique to me in some of my cases. It's something they leave whenever they want to let me know they've been around. It's a coin. Uh, for several years now, they have left me pennies, nickels, and dimes. Uh, and it's not just odd change that you find on the street or, or things like that. These are very specific to time frame. They're between the 1950s and the 1970s. And they usually look like they've been uh, horribly sanded with something rough. Uh, and there at the base of the lamp was a 1970 abraded dime. Hmm. Uh, so another piece of evidence of, yes, you know, this was not an accidental blow-up of a light. This was a deliberate spirit act um, commenting on the nature of the conversation. And I was making a case for us needing to be more respectful of the other entities who share the landscape with us, that we need to reorient ourselves. You know, in the East they have... Uh, the uh, the system of feng shui, to, that nothing is built or occupied without taking into account the energies of the landscape and the spirit presences who occupy the landscape. Right, And right. Uh, that's something that never really took hold in our culture. Now, back to that coin, you call it the calling card. Now, I've often heard uh, over the years when people are relating, uh, well, what they would call uh, a ghost story, um, that uh, there would be, um, you know, a coin dropping, seemingly dropping out of midair, like a penny or something, and this to them was a sign from beyond. So how do you distinguish between, um, I guess, a gin and a garden variety, uh, I can't believe I'm using that term, a garden variety haunting, an actual, you know, disembodied spirit? Uh, well, in fact, coin of ports, and they're called a port, uh, they do uh, show up in a lot of spirit cases, and uh, they've manifested at seances and things like that. For me, and as, uh, as I mentioned, this is unique to me, that when I am involved in investigations where uh, the jinn are present, I get these coin reports. I don't get them when I go to what I would call an ordinary ghost haunting, an investigation where most of the presences are residual energies or some other type of, uh, of entity present. It just seems to be in the gin case. It all started with uh, a gin case that I began tracking about three years ago where the, the woman who was the principal experiencer uh, had these coin reports too. And uh, two nights before I was to meet her in person for an interview, I had a 1957 penny manifest mysteriously on uh, the floor of, of the hotel room that I was in, hmm. and I discovered when I met her that she had also had a 1957 penny uh, show up in her house, too. You've got she quite... quite a collection of these coins, and they've been happening to me ever since. Do you have the collection? Do you still keep those coins? 
I do. I, I actually can, I, I call it, uh, for lack of a better term, cursed money. Cursed money. And um, I keep it as um, paranormal uh, oddities. Um, I have quite a collection now of pennies, nickels, and dimes. I'll Occasionally bet. they throw in a quarter. I don't know why they don't give me anything large. But, uh, it's like you're busking. I also had them manifest out of thin air. Oh, my. Listen. Uh, I had uh, one case where I was going through clothing in my closet, and uh, I did not keep change in my pockets. Uh, I don't wear, uh, you know, shirts with pockets that I would put change in. And while I was leafing through things in the closet, just pushing the hangers, uh, coins fell out. There it was. Listen, Rosemary, I gotta, I gotta run, but um, this is a coin collection I gotta see sometime. I think, uh, Rosemary, thank, for, thank you for this. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, actually, I'll see you down in New York in a few days. Uh, and then, be wonderful, Richard. I'll bring forward. some of these coins. Thank you, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. The website visionaryliving.com. Who is John of God? We'll find out on the other side. Stay with us on the Conspiracy Show. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back, friends. Uh, there is, um, down in uh, uh, Brazil, in an um, area southwest of Brasilia, a man who is described as a simple farmer. He has very little education. Uh, yet he is drawing uh, millions of visitors. Uh, certainly uh, thousands of visitors every year, but uh, probably has reached out to, to millions by now who are hoping that they will receive a miracle from this man. He is performing something uh, that has become the known has become known as psychic surgery. And this individual is now known as John of God. Quite a remarkable story. He certainly has uh, his detractors, those, those people who, who believe he is perpetrating a hoax. Uh, but then you have the anecdotal evidence from people who have traveled at great expense uh, and, and long distances uh, to see this man and have come away claiming that they have been healed. And he uses some rather unorthodox methods. Uh, there is a component of psychic surgery, as I say. We're going to find out all about this. But before... I welcome our next guest. I also want to let you know that this individual, John of God, as he is known, is actually, this is a very rare opportunity. He's coming to Toronto. He is coming to Toronto on uh, Friday, March the 15th, for a three-day event. March 15th, Saturday the 16th, Sunday the 17th. And he will be appearing at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And if you go to my website, richardserrett.com, and, and uh, on the homepage, just scroll down. You'll see tonight's show. And underneath John of God, there at 1220 a.m., you'll see Learn About John of God's Upcoming Event in Toronto. And if you click on that, that'll link through to the actual event. And there you can find information about getting tickets, information about the program, what's going to happen, uh, 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 accommodations, and everything. Uh, but right now, let's find out who is this John of God. And to help us is someone who has met this individual, uh, I believe on a number of occasions. She's, she's in, uh, she's been, um, uh, very privileged, one of the, the few people that have actually interviewed him. 
Gail Thackeray is the is a uh, um, um, a spiritual uh, healer, a spiritual educator. She is uh, the medium and host of Gail Thackeray's spiritual journeys. She shares her experiences in Brazil with the healer John of God and the spirits she is blessed to work with. And um, she also is coming to Toronto. Uh, she'll tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Gail Thackeray, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you, Richard, so much for having me on. And uh, thank you for coming on. How did you first meet John of God? Well, you know, um, I have been told several times about him, and I think this is kind of how spirit works. Um, you know, we tend to see him on TV, or we hear a little bit about it, and somehow we get drawn to go there. And I had been a medium, and I was working as a Reiki master and a healer, and I'd heard about this guy, and I thought, well, that sounds really interesting, but it's not like I have some kind of a serious disease or anything, so I don't really have a, a reason to go, and I don't want a reason to go, thank goodness, um, but it would be interesting. And I just kind of left it at that, and then uh, one night, I have a healing center in Los Angeles, and I have different speakers that come. And so this one particular night, I had a lady who was an astrologist, and she came, and she talked about how where you are on your birthday sets up your astrology for the year and how you can change that if you want to go to a different city for your birthday. And I said, oh, interesting. So should I stay in Los Angeles for my birthday? And she looked at my chart and she went, oh, no, that would be really bad. So I said, okay, where should I go? And so she said, okay, well, I have to do some charts and think about it and I'll call you next week. And she calls me back and she said, "Um, you want to know where you're going? She could pick anywhere in the world. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping it's not like Greenland or somewhere. Right. And she said, or New Jersey. Sorry. Just kidding. Sorry? <laughs> or New Jersey. But oh, just, New Jersey, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. It's a wonderful place. And so she said, uh, Brazil. So I'm thinking, like, Rio or something. And she said, no, no, you got to go, like, more uh, north central, like Brasilia. And I said, wait a minute. That guy, John of God, is from close to Brasilia. And I thought, you yeah, sneaky spirits trying to get me down there. So yeah, I'm being a little superstitious, better go. And I just decide to book myself a flight and go down there all on my own um, to visit this guy, John of God. And it was so amazing. It was so life-changing. I could tell you so many stories about things that happened to me and people I met and things that happened to them that I actually ended up writing a book about him. So... um, what, 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 tell me about this village where he's from. What, I mean, he's, this, is he, he's not living like in the lap of luxury. I understand all the proceeds go to the village council. Is that right? It's a small town called Abijanya. It's really the middle of nowhere. He was advised by Spirit many years ago. I mean, he's been doing this now 50 years. Um, he was advised maybe 30 years ago to go to this town, Abijanya, and build his healing center. Well, this is really the middle of nowhere. He had no idea why, but he trusted it, and he went and he built his center there. And it turns out that it is actually built on top of a mountain, and there are lots of crystals in the mountain. So he actually mines some of the crystals that you can buy at the crystal shop at the Casa. And that's a lot of the way that they raise money, because it's free. It's free to go in front of John of God and ask you questions and receive a healing. And so they, they take money from donations and they make money from crystals, but it is, it is free for anybody to go. See, that's the interesting thing. For those people that believe 
that John of God is perpetrating some sort of a hoax, that it's, you know, the psychic surgery is some sort of sleight of hand. Well, then the question is, then what's the angle? Because he's not profiting from it, uh, as you've indicated. Uh, and when he goes, I understand when he goes on, on uh, speaking events, a lot of the proceeds go to the, to the village, uh, the council to help uh, the, the, the locals. So well, really everything, everything he makes goes to the casa. And not only the Kaza, but he helps so many people. I mean, what people really don't know about him is he really, he helps families. He helps put children through college. He helps poor families that can't afford it. He came from a very, very poor background, so he really feels for these people. He actually has a soup kitchen that's set up in the town, as well as feeding soup to everybody at the Kaza every day. He feeds like something like 1,500 soup bowls um, a day to the poor people. I mean, he really does a lot of charity work right, above right. and beyond. Gail Thackeray is here, a medium, spiritual educator, host of Gail Thackeray's Spiritual Journeys. Uh, she, she's coming to Toronto as well. We'll tell you about that in, in a few moments. But right now we're talking about this uh, individual who hails from uh, sort of uh, northwestern Brazil, near Brasilia, a remote village where he is, by all accounts, performing what some are claim, claiming to be miracle healings. What sort of things... I've heard some strange stories, Gail, that he'll do things like take a knife and scrape someone's eyeball. Tell me about what he, what you've seen him do. Seen and experienced firsthand, to be honest. Um, you know, everybody focuses on these uh, physical surgeries because that's the most crazy, outlandish things that go on. Most of the time... People receive a healing that's invisible. People go in front of him, and he will say, yes, um, I heal you, I give you a healing. Perhaps he'll give you an invisible spiritual surgery, which is kind of like a meditation. That's how most of the healing is done. And people go in front of him that can't walk, that have cancer, that have some major disease. And not everybody, many, many of these people get healed just by walking in front of him, just by an invisible surgery and kind of a, a blessing, they are completely cured. But what he does is he just also bring people out on stage that have volunteered for a physical surgery. And he does this as kind of a show of faith to let people see that there is something supernatural going on. And People that say that he, this is fake, they obviously have never been to the cars and seen him because anybody can walk right up next to him. You can be standing right there, and he takes these people, and he will actually cut them open on stage. So he might, you know, take out a, a tumor from somebody's, uh, you know, cancerous breast tumor or something. He actually will cut the skin in front of everybody on stage, and you see that these people are not even flinching. And there's no way that anybody could be cut open and stitched up and literally have open surgery and not even flinch. And you can talk to them afterwards and they'll say, I was completely aware, completely awake, but I had absolutely no pain. You saw this up close? Oh, he does this every day. Usually you'll bring a couple of people out in the morning or a couple of people out in the afternoon and he'll do this as kind of a demonstration. How does he make the incision? He takes a knife, which um, I suppose a knife is sterilized, but he has no sterilization on his hands. There's no, um, there's nothing that you would normally see in an operating room. I mean, basically just takes a knife, 
cuts them right open right there and then and stitches them up with no anesthetic and no um, any kind of procedure, not even, you know, gloves or anything, and nobody ever gets infections. And often the scar is gone within a couple of days. My word. Sometimes he takes them and he scrapes their eyeball. Yes. Scrapes it with a knife. You've had this done. I had this done. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, I was down there filming, and I had interviewed a lot of people. This was, um, I think, my second or third time. And I had um, experienced invisible surgeries, which were very powerful. And I talked to many, many people. And it was about the last day of filming, and I, I woke up in the morning and I said to myself, you know, kind of experienced everything else. I've talked to everything, everybody about everything. But what I haven't experienced is I haven't volunteered for a surgery myself. Well, you can't. You have to be assigned a surgery first, and then you have to volunteer for it. And I said, I wonder what it feels like. I could do the ice scraping. I think that being cut up on stage, I don't know if I could do that. Or another thing that he does where he takes this instrument and he puts this instrument up your nose, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I could do the thing up the nose. But maybe the ice scraping, that doesn't look too bad. I wonder what that feels like. Maybe the ice scraping, that doesn't look too bad? I mean, I, couldn't, I could not imagine... <laughs> Uh, anything, you know, someone even just like gestures towards my eyes and I'm like on the floor. Uh, I can't imagine actually taking a knife and scraping your eyeball. Well, I think I thought, okay, maybe it's sleight of hand. Maybe this one, he just kind of passes it over your eyeball. And if you're, if you're in a meditative state, you could maybe stand that. So I'm thinking that looks about the easiest. I want to see what that feels like. So I went in front of him and I said, um... You know, I have to use reading glasses when I get on my computer. Can you fix that? And he smiles at me, a big grin, and says, okay, surgery this afternoon. So now I have a choice of spiritual surgery or physical surgery. So this is a point now I can offer to volunteer. So I offer to volunteer and say, I'd like to go on stage and I'd like to have a physical surgery in front of the cameras. And so he takes me on stage and he puts you under kind of a... I feel kind of subdued. I mean, I feel like half in a trance, but not, not really trance-like state, just kind of a little relaxed. And he takes me up on stage, and I can see all the cameras and everybody around me. I mean, there's usually about 500 people there, so everybody's gathered around and people taking pictures and everything. And I'm quite aware of them, but I feel nice and relaxed. And he, he takes me up, and he puts my head back, and he takes a kitchen knife. And I see it actually coming at my eye. And I think, Gail, yeah, okay, just be calm and relaxed. I've talked to lots of people. They've had this done. They said it looks really freaky weird because you actually see the knife. You see it being done, but you don't feel any pain. Okay, so I see the knife, and I see it go in my eye, and it starts to scrape my eye. Oh, Lord. And at first, I feel no pain. I can just see it, and it's a little strange. Then he comes back to scrape it again, and the second time he comes back, it hurt like heck. I mm. cannot believe it. It really, really hurt. And I scraped my eye, and I went, oh, this is real. I mean, this is not sleight of hand. This is real, and I really feel everything, and this is crazy. What am I doing here? And I'm saying in my mind to the spirits, um, I'm supposed to get anesthetic here. What's going on? Right, right. <laughs> and he comes back, and he goes to scrape it again, and it hurts like heck. And then finally, I hear the spirits in my mind say, okay, can I have your anesthetic? And it was like they shot me with something. 
and I actually felt my whole body just go limp. And the knife was still scraping my eye, but now I couldn't feel anything. Listen, hold on there, Gail. We'll take a time out. We'll let those people that are recoiling in horror <laughs> compose themselves. They're going to run to the, uh, the washroom and splash some cold water on their face, and they'll come back, and we'll continue our discussion with Gail Thackeray, author of Visiting John of God, 30 Days to Prosperity, a workbook to manifest abundance in a number of books on, uh, on Reiki. And we'll continue to discuss this miracle worker, some say, John of God, here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. into the shadows where the truth often hides you're listening to the conspiracy show with richard serrett welcome back you've heard of john of god you've maybe seen some of these incredible uh, uh, youtube videos where he appears to be performing uh, a surgery uh, on, on people without anesthetic uh, removing uh, tumors uh, on stage performing uh, some call it psychic surgery uh, people come away claiming that they have been healed. He uses some very unorthodox uh, methods. Uh, Gail Thackeray is with us, a spiritual educator, medium, author, uh, 30 Days to Prosperity, a number of uh, Reiki manuals, a medium's path to the psychic world, and her book, uh, Spiritual Journeys, uh, documents her visiting, her journey to the spiritual healing center of John of God in Brazil. And John of God is coming to Toronto, March fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. I've uh, I've linked up to the uh, the website on my homepage at richardserrett.com. Uh, Gail Thackeray is also coming to Toronto for the uh, the Whole Life Expo on November 9th to the eleventh. And Gail, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But back to your eye scraping. So crazy as it seems, I asked to feel it, so I got what I asked for. And I think they were trying to show me that, you know, there really is something spiritual going on. They showed me before that this is real, this is not sleight of hand, and they showed me the anesthetic. But Richard, you know, amazing healings go on without the physical surgery. That's just kind of a very small part of what goes on. Most people get their healing through these invisible surgeries. But after your eye scraping, what happened to you? Well, um, I think my left eye that got scraped is much better, but I don't want to go back and have my right one done. <laughs> no, I guess not. But, but so, so your left one is, is you had like astigmatism, and it, and it, it uh, it's it's corrected, or you know, I really did it for the to be on film and for the movie and for the experience and to see what it was like. So, I, and I think part of me questioned: Is this really true? Is this really? Could you really stand it? Is this sleight of hand? And they let me know: No, this is real. Mm. And so, I think that was the point of it. But, you know, sometimes it's just the little moments. Like, one of my, my, I think my very first visit, I went in front of John of God, and I asked a business question. Because you can ask, not just about healings and things that you have. You can ask, hey, I want help with my finances or my relationship. And I went in front and I asked a question about a business. And I, I guess I'm thinking, oh, he's going to say, yes, you should do this or that. And he really doesn't say much, just a, yes, okay, we work with you. And after you go in front of John of God, and by the way, John of God is really incorporated with spirits. When he's working, he's not really the person anymore. He's a full trans medium. It's really a spirit that you're talking to. 
So after I've gone in front of this spirit, I then go into this little room where they do a little closing meditation. And I'm sitting in this room, and I'm completely not in the right frame of mind. I'm thinking about my business, and hey, I didn't really get an answer, did I, you know? And I'm sitting there completely thinking about this, and all of a sudden, it's like this bright white light came down from the ceiling and just covered me. And it was this most amazing, loving feeling, so intense. It was like being in love for the first time, but a hundred times greater. And I just actually burst into tears of happiness. It was so overwhelming, Mm. this loving feeling. And this voice came. Now, I'm a medium, so I hear voices, but not like that. This was like a man standing there. And this voice said, but what is your higher purpose? Meaning, why do you care about all this stuff? This is where it's at. This is what this feeling is. And I felt like just this place, being in this place, this this home of John of God, that God spoke to me at his place. And I've heard other people have similar experiences. And I said, hey, I want to share this with people. So when I got back home and I go, I have this little center and we do different talks on a Monday night. And I said, this particular Monday night, I'm going to share some pictures from my trip from John of God. Come on over. We usually have 20, 30 people show up. Well, this particular night, I wrote my email, nothing special. And I get a call from somebody who says, I just opened your email. I don't know what happened. This white light came out of the ceiling. This amazing feeling came over me. And my hand I've had problems with all my life. It's working. It's completely fine. It's completely normal. And then I got email after email saying, I don't know what happened, but I opened your email and my, my hips working, or my legs working, or this is working. And so many people showed up that night all saying the same thing. Like somehow they had been touched by spirit from Brazil hmm. through me, through an email. Who is this guy? <laughs> he is, uh, he is, I've seen a lot of healers from doing this show about traveling and meeting healers and for me, he's the most spectacular one alive on this planet. There's, no, there's nobody like him. How did he get the name of John of God? Well, he is just John or Joao when he's Joao the medium, when he's the person. But when he becomes John of God is when actually he incorporates spirits inside of him. So he does this before he goes on stage, and he does the same thing when he travels. So when he comes to Toronto, he will do the same thing. It's all set up like the cars are in Brazil. And he says a little prayer, and spirits actually come inside him and work through him. So as you come up and you walk up to him, you're actually coming up to a spirit. And there are different spirits that come through him. They're very powerful ones. Dominacio is the name of the casa, and that's because the spirit Dominacio comes through. Another one, Dr. Augusto, who was a, a, a doctor hundreds of years ago, comes through him. And these different spirits work with you. So as you come up in front of them, they read your karma, they read what's going on with you, and you ask them, you know, what you'd like healed, and they work on you. All right, Gail, stay put. We'll come back, talk more about John of God, and get a real sense of who this individual is. You've met him, you've talked to him, you've interviewed him. Let's find out who is this man. When we come back on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Gail Thackeray is with us, spiritual educator, psychic medium, 
Uh, she has been to Brazil. She has met John of God. She has seen some, well, miraculous things, some say. Uh, still, of course, there are the skeptics and the detractors. Uh, Gail, it sounds like you went there as a bit of a skeptic and came away uh, with and with subsequent uh, experiences like the one that you just re- recounted. You came away as a believer. Absolutely. For me, it was life-changing. And I do take groups down there, and I do take people's pictures down there. And a lot of people get healed, not everybody. It's kind of an odd thing, but there are many, many people that go down with these terrible diseases that get completely healed. And then there are other people that maybe don't, or they have to go back a few times. And it's not really about whether you believe, because it's not always whether you believe. I think if you believe and you're more open to it, maybe works a little better. But there are people that get cured that don't even believe in it. So it's not really working. It's not a kind of a power of the mind, you know. So some people think, oh, well, maybe it's just because you believe it so strongly. I've seen a lot of indication that it's not that. I've heard it told that John of God, aside from these miraculous abilities, other than that is not the person you would expect to be doing these sorts of things. I've heard that, correct me if I'm wrong, he's a bit of a womanizer, uh, that he likes to get into the cups on occasion, shall I say. What can you tell me about him as a person? You know, he's a regular guy. He grew up as a very poor farmer. He's now a, a businessman. And he does a lot of charity work. He's a very sweet, kind soul. But, you know, he's also got a family and he's got a life. When he is John, he's John the person. He has, you know, issues like everybody else. When he's doing his work, it's not him. He actually goes to sleep. He says he can't remember anything. And it's kind of funny because you'll see him working on somebody. Spirits are talking, making a big deal. I've had this with my clients, you know. They brought one of my girls on stage and talked about her and her career and how, you know, he's going to work on her. And then he came outside. Now he's John the person. He looked at her and completely didn't recognize her because he's actually asleep. We got to interview him, which was a, such a blessing. It was very rare to actually get him to do an interview. But we did a documentary. It's called John of God, Just a Man. And we got a long interview where he talks about his personal life a little bit and you know what it's like and what it's like to be incorporated and to have this kind of work going through him. And then, of course, like you said, we're actually bringing him live next March. So if you want to find out a little bit more about him and see some of the interview, I'm also going to be bringing some crystals to give to everybody. How rare is it to get him to actually leave Brazil, get on a plane, come to a place like Toronto and do this three-day event? Well, it's very rare. He's done it a few times in Europe. These events always sell out months before. We have 12,000 tickets in Toronto and we expect that before the end of the year they will be all sold out. He's only doing this a few times a year. It takes a lot of energy to travel. So um, it's all set up like the Casa, and we try to get it all exactly the same as it is Brazil. He comes in the day before, and he sets the energy, and he makes sure that everything is right for the spirits, and the spirits actually come through at these events. How old a man is he? He just turned 70. He just had his 70th birthday. And physically, is he? I mean, what does he look like? He looks like kind of an average guy. Yeah, he's not what you'd expect. You know, he doesn't look like some great flamboyant healer. Um, he looks like quite a nice, quiet, unassuming guy. Does he travel? <laughs> does he have an entourage? Does he have security? Well, he does. He brings people with him. He speaks Portuguese, so he brings translators and he brings people around and comedians with him who are his most important mediums, the ones that help to, to hold the space while he does this important work. He creates 
massive amounts of energy when he brings these spirits through. Can I tell you a little story about Switzerland recently? Please do. I don't know if I should, but um, he came to Switzerland. My partner, Joseph Schofman, brought him to Switzerland a few months ago. And before John of God goes into entity, he does this kind of a prayer. And you actually, sometimes he'll do this on stage and you see him and he just kind of goes, <gasps> and as he goes into entity, he changes his demeanor. His eye color actually changes from brown to blue and he becomes an actual spirit. You've seen his eye color change. It, he does this every day in front of people on stage. My word. And you can see he looks like a completely different person. And as different spirits come in, you, you can kind of recognize them because his, his hair sticks at one way if it's St. Francis Xavier, or his hair is very kind of neat and a little bit darker if it's Dr. Augusto. His, his appearance actually physically changes. So in Switzerland, they're in the room, and he just uh, starts going to incorporation, but it's taking a long time, and it looks... <gasps> and everybody's going, oh, wow, I think he's... Uh, you know, is a problem? What's going on here? This incorporation. And just Joseph and Martin were there, and they said, well, we wonder if we need to call the doctor because it looks pretty scary. Finally, he comes into incorporation, and this very powerful spirit comes out, and he says, give me a glass of water. So they give him a glass of water, and he throws the water over his face, and then he eats the glass. Oh, my word. And hands back a little bit. And he said, okay, why did you do that? And he said, because there's not enough faith, and I want to show people that there is something supernatural. And this was King Solomon that came through, which is very, very rare. And as people were coming up, there were hundreds of people in wheelchairs and on crutches, and he was literally taking the crutches away. And one guy comes up, and he goes to take the crutches, and the, and the guy's not quite sure, you know, he's not quite sure he can walk. And he's saying, no, no, give me your crutches. And the guy's like, no, 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 I'm not sure I want to give them over. And he says, I have done the work. And he takes the crutches, and he throws them down, and makes the guy walk. But hundreds of people got up out of wheelchairs and walked for the, for the first time in years. And so that was a very, very strong, powerful event, and that... That's not a spirit that would normally come through. That was a very rare event. Now, you've taken clients of yours down uh, to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things the skeptics are always asking, you know, where is the documented proof? Where is the evidence? Have there been follow-up studies? Let's say someone has, I don't know, multiple sclerosis, and they go down there, and they have some sort of a spontaneous or miraculous healing. Has the paperwork been done to prove that these individuals went down there with MS and when they came back, it was gone? Anything like that? I don't think anybody's actually done a study of, hey, these people are going to John of God and then they came back. But there have been people that have come back from John of God. They've had some kind of invisible spiritual healing and they've gone to their heart doctor and the heart doctor said, what's going on here? You've got, um, you know, stitches that you've had, internal stitches that we can see on the x-rays and they've shown them the x-rays. They've had tumors that he's brought out you know, it's cut out of people that they've got in jars and the, you can see the tumors right there. I had a lady that she couldn't come down, but she came to see me and she said, I've got fourth stage liver cancer. They've only given me a few weeks to live. And I said, give me a photograph. I'm not going for a couple of months, but give me a photograph. I'm going to put it in my triangle that I have at home and I'll just tell the spirits you're coming. A week later, she went to her doctor for a usual checkup. And he comes out and he's giddy and he says, this is unbelievable. Your, your cancer was completely spread and we couldn't operate it. But now it's encapsulated into three separate tumors. We can take him out. And they took him out that day and she's completely cancer free. So the doctor says, well, you know, the body can do strange things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's always the case, right? You don't know. 
But I did have a guy came to me, last time I was in New York, I had a guy came, and we did a meditation about John of God, and we asked the, the spirits, the cars all with us, and we thought about John of God, and I asked them to come up and touch the triangle. And I had a guy that got up, and I said, do you have a blood disease? And he said, actually, I have Lyme disease. Hmm. And I said, okay, now it's gone. And he looks at me like I'm completely crazy. A week later, he calls me and he said, this is unbelievable. I went to the doctors twice. I had all the tests. I had Lyme disease. I was going in for my treatment. And before I had my treatment, they gave me another blood scan. And it came back as negative. Not only negative that I don't have Lyme disease, but if I had it, I would have the antibodies. And it shows I've never had Lyme disease. I have two tests that show I had Lyme disease, and I've got a test afterwards that says I've never had Lyme disease. When you met John and you talked to John of God, did you ask him, why you? Why do you have this ability? What happened to him? When did this happen to him? This happened when he was a young boy. He started having premonitions, and then he saw a vision of an angel who told him he should go to the spiritualist center. Go to the spiritualist center, and they said, oh, hey, John, come in. We've been waiting for you. And he looks at them like, what do you mean you've been waiting for me? Um, how do you know my name? And they said, no, come in, come in. And he thought he passed out. He thought he fainted because he was so hungry. And when he came round, they said, no, you didn't faint. You actually incorporated. This is the first time he incorporated. And King Solomon came in. And apparently all the villagers came round and he healed everybody. And he didn't remember a thing. He just thought he'd passed out. And he came around and all these people were standing in front of him. And then that started happening to him when he was a young man. And he was traveling around trying to get jobs. Um, he worked as a tailor in the army. And uh, he was traveling around getting different jobs. And he, this kept happening to him. He kept having these spontaneous healings. But it was not a, an easy life for him because he had a lot of people chasing him that thought he was practicing medicine without license. And, yeah, he went through a lot to be where he is. It's, he didn't have an easy life. And I, I don't know if it's really a blessed life. It's a dedication. I mean, he dedicates his life to be incorporated with spirits and heal people. And it must be difficult to have a normal life and to enjoy the things and enjoy your family when you're constantly, your body is being used like that. But when you ask him, he says, I'm blessed to be in this position and I work for God. He's very Catholic. And he says, God heals and God heals through me and I'm blessed that I can help people. What does the, uh, Brazil obviously is a very Catholic country. What does the, I don't know, the archdiocese in, in Brasilia or wherever the local clergy make of what John of God is doing? Do they endorse what he's doing? Do they think that this is the work of the devil? Or what is their perception? Well, like I said, growing up, he had a lot of problems with some of the religious sects and some of the political sects that did not want him doing this kind of work. But there's been times where he's ended up then healing some of these people. And they've come back, and they've needed healing. And so I think definitely it's more open now. I mean, he's, uh, he's healed um, political figures that are very important. So I think at this point he's probably the most renowned healer in Brazil and, and uh, much more accepted than he ever was because he's, he's proven himself and he's, he's done it for people of power. Uh, so, Gail, he's coming to Toronto on March 15th, 16th, and 17th, the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Again, I've linked up to the uh, the website on my homepage. People can click there, get all the information about the venue, the program, the accommodations, tickets, and so forth. You're coming to Toronto, uh, is it November 9th, 10th, and 11th? Yes, November 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show a little bit of the footage, 
and I'm going to live a talk about John of Gog. Um, and I'm also going to be in New York this weekend at the New Life Expo, the New Yorker Hotel in Manhattan. Um, so if you want a little taste, I can give you a little bit more information. You can come meet me. I can tell you my stories. You can see a little bit of film. But the real deal, this is an amazing opportunity to come next March. And I don't know how many more trips you'll be able to do. And um, if you have the opportunity to come, I think you really just have to come. Gail, great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. And I'll uh, probably see you in New York. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Gail Thackeray. Uh, back next week with a brand new program. President Clinton, former President Clinton, apparently has confirmed that he investigated whether alien artifacts were being housed at Area 51. More on that on this program next week. Hope you'll be along for that. My thanks to Tim Spreen for his capable audio production. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in the dark, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.